0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's Echoes of Calvary broadcast. Glad you can join us. Did you know that according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, a faithful servant is considered a bond servant? And later on, learn more about the weeping prophet Jeremiah, and because of his faithfulness, he was considered a success in the eyes of God. And there's much, much more in today's Echoes of Calvary broadcast. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott.
1: Moving on to the fourth point, faithful Christians are bondservants. See it in verse 7, Colossians 1. And just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, You've heard me teach before that a bond servant was a special category in the nation of Israel. God allowed his nation, for God's own purposes, to have slaves. But on the seventh year, every slave in Israel was to be liberated, to be set free. Except if the slave elected on his or her own account to not take that year of liberation, but instead to decide to be a perpetual, until death us do part, slave. And the only reason you'd make that decision if you were a slave would be that you didn't think you could have a better life outside of the master you had and that your master was as loving and fair and kind as generous as anyone could be. So when you wanted to make that decision and pass on your year of liberation, the seventh year, you would go to your master and you'd say, I would like to be your bond servant. And he would take you to some kind of a, I picture it like a stump or a rail and he would put your earlobe on that piece of wood and he would gently take a carpenter's awl like a a pointed tool that you can press into wood to make a depression to start a drill and he would just go through the earlobe to mark you as a bondservant to mark you as someone who is elected to be a sold out servant of a master that is loved and trusted the normal Christian life is to be a bondservant but that's a choice we make after conversion if you've never told Jesus Christ the Romans 12:1 and 2, that you want to be a bond servant, please, there's no fairer a master, there's no more lovely a master, there's no more rich a master. I urge you therefore brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Too often, I think, the church in the West, Canada and the United States, believers treat the will of God for them like a purchase on eBay. 30-day, no-obligation trial And if I don't like the thing I bought on eBay after 30 days for whatever reason, I just package it up, send it back to the seller, and there's no obligation on me. The will of God is not that way. We're going to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service of worship. And you know what? We will never understand God's will for us to be good, acceptable, and perfect until first we make our lives living sacrifices. I went a lot of years in my life trying to pass judgment on the will of God for me without making my body a living sacrifice, without making myself a bond servant, And I never got it figured out until I said, no, step one is to present my body as a living sacrifice. And once I did that, I told God, Lord, you do with me whatever you want, wherever you want, whenever you want. I present myself as a bond servant. He led me into the pastorate, gave me joy, gives me joy pastoring. He has a plan for your life that's good, acceptable, and perfect. But you must bow your knee to him as your master voluntarily forever. And it has to start at a place in time. Maybe this morning, if you've never done it before. Bond servants are mentioned, of course, elsewhere in the uh, New Testament in the first verse of the book of Revelation the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his bond servants the things which must soon take place and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servant John bond servant you could trace that whole idea through the New Testament if you cared to do so but remember let's not get lost here in the details this message is about success as defined by God and success as defined by God is faithfulness It's faithfulness. Faithful churches are made up of faithful believers in those churches. And so, to be a faithful believer, to review, ask others to pray for you. Live with faith that's evident. Love with God's love. Have hope, desire Christ, and expect from Christ. Constantly bear more and more fruit. Live as a bondservant of Jesus. It'll sound good, won't it? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, in closing this message, there was a prophet that you all know of in the Old Testament. His name was Jeremiah. He was a resounding success, but nobody on earth knew it. I say that he was a resounding success because he was faithful to God and his mission from God in the face of so much adversity and problem. Jeremiah's nickname was the weeping prophet because he spent a good deal of his life weeping. He had a lot to weep about. He had a 50-year-long ministry, yet very, very, very few people repented of their sin because of his ministry. He was commanded by God to remain unmarried. He lived all of his days as a single man. His life was full of conflict and conflict and conflict. Death threats were made against him. He was put in the stocks. He was forced to flee from various places for his life. He was publicly humiliated on one occasion by a false prophet. He was thrown into a muddy pit. He lived most of his life in isolation. He was arrested. People were violent with him. He was imprisoned. He experienced times of near starvation. In his congregation, the nation of Judah rejected him and rejected his message from God. They instead clung to their sins, especially to their sins of idolatry. And They were taken into the Babylonian captivity because of doing that. Jeremiah himself did not escape that captivity. Although he was faithful to God and faithful in his calling to do what God told him to do and to say what God told him to say, he too was swept into Babylon as a captive, as an old man. But Jeremiah was a success in the eyes of God because he was faithful. He remained faithful to his God when it wasn't easy. He remained faithful to his mission from God when it was anything but easy. And in that great chapter in the New Testament, Hebrews 11, that talks about various Old Testament believers, Jeremiah is not named, but he's in this list. I'll oh, make no mistake about it. He's in this list. Listen. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and all the prophets Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness they were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Oh yes, Jeremiah was successful, but no one around him understood that he was. But he was successful because he remained faithful to God. You know how he remained faithful for 50 years of adversity? The first few verses of his book tell us how he did. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Listen, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you to deliver you declares the Lord. Jeremiah was a success because he remained faithful to God. He remained faithful to God because he remembered God's knowledge of him in love, and he remembered God's marching orders, and he did those things despite his circumstances, despite the lack of visible result. Friend, you can remain faithful to God you can be a success in the eyes of heaven. Remember, God knows you from before you were conceived. He has a marvelous plan for you, and you are living your life to an audience of one, one.
0: And now, today's personal God story.
2: Good morning. My name is Rhonda Darval. I'm the founder and executive director of the Bahamas Godparent Center. It is a brand new faith-based, nonprofit crisis pregnancy and youth center. Our mission is to proclaim the sanctity of every life and to offer hope to the hurting. My God story hinges on these two very things. Sanctity of every life. What does this mean? It means that every life is holy, valuable, precious in the sight of God, and so it should be with us. I grew up in church, was in the choir, youth group, never missed church, and was saved at 16 at a revival called Curcio. But what did it all mean? I didn't know and did not know how to walk in my salvation. And so life happened to me. I lived a life that was the norm, lost and broken. I ran away from home so often, my father told me to not come back. You see, I was searching, looking for something, but I was not finding it. I ended up pregnant twice and had two abortions. This led me to a spiral of despair. Some say it's a woman's choice, but it is not. Her body, her life, her child's life are not hers. They're the Lord's. Because of these choices, I sank so far into an abyss and could not get out. I wanted to die. There was no reason to live. I tried to kill myself three times. The doctors diagnosed me as manic depressive, and so many other things. I was on so many pills, and went to so much therapy, and nothing helped. Later, it was discovered that I had a thyroid problem. But during that time, I was like the walking dead. For a few years there, it seemed as if some normalcy returned to my life, and I met my husband. And we, although not living by God's mandates, fell in love and got married. Our daughter, whom I love so very much, was eight months old when we got married. We loved each other and we loved her so much, but it was not enough. Even though we were going to church and serving, there was still a hole, a big cavernous hole. And the last time I tried to take my life, my baby was three years old. Our marriage seemed as if it was also going down into that abyss because of choices I had made. And just not being able to escape the hole in my soul. But God, you see, he had a plan, a plan that the Bible says in Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I did not know this verse at that time in my life. God allowed my pastor at the time to give me a tape player when he visited me in the locked ward of the Rand Memorial Psych Unit. It was a lot of scripture and one stood out to me. It was from Zechariah when it says that when he takes you through the fire, you will come out as pure gold. Boy, <laughs> that was a nugget for me. I was released and I was broken, a broken vessel, a vessel that God could use. His word says that he desires broken vessels. I poured out my heart, my soul, and my sins on that altar and recommitted my life. I was baptized and started to work on my salvation through Bible study and service. But God... He was not finished with me yet. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so we would walk in them. Wow, this was big and powerful. And my husband and I served God faithfully. Then God led us to Bible school in Lynchburg, Virginia. I wanted to know God so much because he had laid down his life from my sins and he had literally saved my life. While at Bible school and serving in church, I heard a message from my pastor about abortion, and it was a frontal assault. It was like being hit by bullets from an AK-47. You see, the enemy was still using this to keep me in line, to only go so far, (laughs) but God. His word says, I have come to set the captives free, and that's just what he did. I spoke to the counseling pastor that night, and Daryl said to me, Rhonda, we have been praying for you for five years. I thought he was crazy because I'd only been in Virginia about a year at this time. He said that the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, praise be to God. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulations so that we will be able to comfort those who are in trouble. But the comfort which we receive, we can now be comforted by God. Boy, he was scaring me and I didn't want to expose myself to anyone. I feared condemnation, but I did help because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. (laughs) But God, he was not done yet. During one of our Bible studies in the women's ministry, in which I was a leader, he told me to share with some ladies about my abortions. I was deathly afraid. He challenged me with these words, Do you seek to please man or do you seek to please me? And that was God. Wow. Man had never done anything for me the way God had, and so it was a no-brainer. I jumped in. This led me to my first crisis pregnancy center, where the director had a similar story to mine. Here, I tasted firsthand the good works that God had prepared for me beforehand. I saw that he counted me worthy enough to allow me to work in his vineyard. I was not just a prodigal returning home, and that I did not have to eat pig slop anymore. My father counted me worthy. I have walked with many men, women, young persons, families for the last 10 years to find hope and healing. Hope through the truths of the Bible and freedom in the gospel. I am his daughter, persecuted but not abandoned. You see, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Today, someone is listening to this broadcast and they're wrestling. I'm here to tell you that the battle is the Lord. He wants to fight for you if you would let him. He wants to give you a hope and a future, good and not evil. He wants you to work with him in his vignette. His word says in Romans 10, 9, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I am a living testimony of the truth of these words. I was lost and now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. He wants this for you. If you want him, say this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. That's similar to the prayer that I prayed. Today I'm walking with the Lord and I would want to be no place else. May God richly bless you.
0: And now, help for the hurting with the director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick, on it.
2: Good morning,
3: and thank you very much again, uh, Brother Jack. The last time we left off talking about the importance of communication, active listening. James says in James one verse nineteen and twenty. Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What I am understanding here is, and I have experienced this so many times when we are listening. We are only listening in order to understand enough to come up with an answer to what we think we might have heard from you or from the person that is presenting What would you say to that? Looking at the scripture, for instance, be slow to answer.
4: And swift to hear again. This is active listening, Uh, not having my own agenda to put down or to be critical or listening, not to be judgmental, but to understand. Because what I've discovered over the years, we can say judgmental statements to an individual or whoever, and that will stick with that person more than a compliment or a kind word, because for some reason, the brain compute that negative story. It's, it's like a Dr. Hansen, who has done um, quite a bit of research on the brain. He mentioned that the brain is like Velcro when it comes to negative Stories or put down anything okay. that's going to put you down. Okay, that sticks just like how velcro will stick and fasten. And the good stuff is like Teflon, a Teflon pan. You don't have to worry. Yeah, yeah, nothing Congrats. sticks. So, it's like a colleague of mine said um, some time back. He said it's not. Um, how much we give or do with our children is what they take away. So if you're going to be putting them down and then you're going to say, oh, look at what I purchased you last week or where we went on vacation, they're going to remember all the negative stuff you said. Okay. Especially if they're feeling I approached you with my story and you didn't even listen. Right. You pass judgment or you criticize me right away. So this is a good admonition for all of us. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, and then slow to get angry. Because when we get angry, it really, especially if we don't channel the anger in a positive way. I I don't think it's a sin to be angry, but I think it's how we handle the anger. Okay.
3: Okay. Well, I can say that I have experience in my counseling so many people who is just looking for an opportunity to respond to what you say that they miss what you are trying to say to them. In other words, they think they hear what you you are saying, but it's not really what you are saying. They just want to uh, be able to respond to you, or as you indicated, put you down.
4: Yeah, and I think along with good communication or listening, our body language communicates even more than what we are saying. So, if you are giving a compliment to someone but your body language is negative, it's a shrug of the shoulder or your arms are fold and you look stiff, they're not going to receive that because that's the real message to body language. It's not whatever coming out of your mouth. They're going to see that as just flattery or you're being a phony. Okay. So I think we really have to be swift to hear. Be willing to be say, let me sit and hear your story because your story is who you, you are and I need to hear you. In
3: other words, what I'm hearing you say, sometimes slower is better.
4: Yeah, yeah. Be okay. slow to speak. And swift to hear.
3: And swift to hear. So it means that we need to Really be concentrating on what the presenter or your partner or whoever is the speaker. Listen to what they're saying because there are times when, as I indicated uh, before, there are times when they think they hear what you're saying, but they really misunderstood what you were trying to say to them. Especially we have... Um, there is uh, those of course who uh, number one we call the painter and we have the pointer the painter will paint you ask them a a simple question what time did you get to work today and uh, rather than saying I got to work at 9.15 they will begin to paint the picture I left home in time but there was a roadblock I had to do a a detour in order to get to work. And they will talk and talk and then 10 minutes later they will say, I reached to work at 9.15. But that, of course, that's not, you you lose the pointer in, a, in the case like that. But the pointer, if you ask him what time you got to work, he's, he will say or she will say to you, 9.15. But the painter is still listening to what she want or he wants you to explain why you got to work at uh, 9 15 rather than 9 a.m. Um, and I find that that can be very frustrating for couples when you have one who paints and one who points so it is it's very important I believe to understand who your partner is is he a painter or a, a pointer uh, because if you understand that, then you'll realize that even though you are answering the question directly, the painter wants you to paint the story, paint what happened, rather than just saying, I got to work at 9.15. Because we tend to miss exactly what you're saying. And they are waiting, really, waiting with anticipation for the answer, even though they got it. Uh, But as I indicated, the painter is very different. He or she will paint considerably before they get to the point, and if you are one who is turned off easily, by the time they get to the point, you end up missing the point because you're not listening anymore. So again, I believe that that is a very vital uh, point to remember in communication. So as we were saying, Sometimes we we need to be slow.
4: I think, too, in this age of information overload, um, maybe um, the pointer is overloaded with information from social media and wherever, and so all they want is the answer. Yes. They don't need all the detours and where you ate last night. They just want you to come to the point and say, yes, I arrived at 10 a.m. or no, I did not showed up rather than all over meandering yes
3: okay well again uh, thank you very much for listening and we will pick up from here next time
0: in the will of the Lord you have been listening to Echoes of Calvary a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church Nassau Bahamas our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue we encourage you to join us feel free to write us at EOCradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas and remember everyone needs a Savior.